Well, Thanksgiving is over, right? And so my question for you today is, have you heard I'm dreaming of a white Christmas yet? Have you? I think I've heard it about eight times already. You know, they start Christmas music even before Thanksgiving gets here. They put the Christmas ornaments out, and so we are in our mad dash to December 25th, Christmas time. And one of the mainstays of it is I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. But you know what? Have you ever noticed that, <clears throat> excuse me, in talking about Christmas, how many dreams are associated with a Christmas story? Now, when I'm talking about dreams, I'm not talking about the sleepy, unrealistic wondering that your mind does when you're asleep at night or what you do during my sermons. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about vision. I'm talking about conviction. I'm talking about a supernatural revelation from God. What I'm talking about is a visitation that Joseph had in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 20. When the Bible says an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Or Matthew chapter 2.13, when the Bible says an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream to warn of Herod's intent to kill Jesus. Or again in Matthew chapter 2, verse 19, when an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream again to Joseph, that it's now safe for him to return from Egypt. I'm speaking of the supernatural revelation of God to the Magi who saw a star that led them to the manger. I'm speaking of the angel that appeared to Mary at the beginning of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, to tell her that even though she was a virgin, she would miraculously conceive a child by the Holy Spirit and that he would be the Son of God. And then, of course, last but not least is the appearance. The angel appeared to the shepherds in Luke 2, 9 to announce the Savior's birth. In fact, if you think about it, the whole Bible really is the story of God's unfolding Christmas dream. And we see that the unfolding of this Christmas dream begins in the Garden of Eden. You see, because it's the reality of God's love. Because God, as a creator of all things, is so full of love that He couldn't contain that love within Himself. And it's that love that caused Him to create you and me in order to have someone to demonstrate his love to. And it all began in Eden. It was a reality of a creation that God could fellowship with and that we could fellowship and, and worship with him. That is, until the dream of God was shattered in Eden when Adam and Eve decided they didn't want to just be the creation of God and pride caused them to want to be like God. You see, and that's when sin came upon the human race. And so the Bible is about God having a dream. And the pinnacle of that dream is the story of Christmas, which is God's attempt to redeem His creation. You see, because when Adam and Eve sinned, all humanity was separated from Him. And all throughout the Scriptures, we find God's redemptive plan unfolding to build a bridge to the human race. And that bridge begins with a manger and a Christmas story. But you see, for 
God's shattered dream to be restored, Jesus had to be willing to lay aside his divinity and become a man wrapped in weak human flesh. And so we see the reenactment of that story every time a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And we see the continuation of the unfolding dream of God that all began with the Christmas story. Now, like I said, we're past Thanksgiving. We're well on our way to Christmas. And this entire month, the world is going to focus on this event called Christmas. An event that happened over 2,000 years ago without really much fanfare except right around that, that local vicinity. But yet today, 2,000 years later, it stops traffic. Literally. Was anyone around Penn Square Mall on Friday? If you were, you were shut down. So what is it about this holiday that billions of people take off work, businesses shut down, people have parties and they gather in their homes to celebrate? What is it that makes Christmas so special? Well, the fact is that the birth of Jesus Christ is the most significant event in the history of mankind. So significant, in fact, that it splits history from B.C. to A.D., the birth of Christ changed the world. And so as we get in this today, I want you to realize that that first Christmas, the birth of Jesus, at the birth of Jesus, the angel announced three things. And we pick this up in Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse number 8. A passage that I'm sure you're all familiar with. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, good will toward men. According to verse 10, the angel said, Do not be afraid because I proclaim good news of great joy. And when there's good news, usually there is a celebration. Now, the first part of God's dream coming true at Christmas is that His people understand the nature of the moment and celebrate it. Folks, Christmas is a party. I bring you good news of great joy. And actually, Christmas is a birthday party for Jesus. But isn't it ironic that this time of year we have more parties than any other, and yet the guest of honor is totally left out of most Christmas festivities. Isn't that interesting? Now, I don't want to shock you, but I want you to know that God likes to party. God is into parties because the Bible says that the angels in heaven hold a party every time a person comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. There is a party in heaven every time someone gets saved. 
And so you and I, we need to celebrate the life that God brings to us because of this event called Christmas. It's a glorious time. But now, if we would go and stand outside the arena at the end of a Thunder basketball game, and as people came out, if we would ask them, what are you going to celebrate this Christmas? Now, we would get a variety of responses. We'd talk to one person, he'd say, this Christmas? What am I going to celebrate? Nothing. The thunder stink. We would find someone who says, I'm going to celebrate the blessings that we've had in our family this year. Someone else might say, oh, I'm going to celebrate the Christmas spirit. And I believe we would find a few who would say, I'm going to celebrate the birth of Christ. But undoubtedly, we would find and we would hear someone saying, what am I celebrating? Nothing. I just want it to be over, and I just want to get through it. Sadly, so many people feel that way about Christmas. And it's because we've lost sight of the fact that Christmas is a birthday party. Christmas is a celebration, but a lot of people are just trying to get through it. I mean, we're, so, we're supposed to celebrate, but we're so busy planning, preparing, getting ready, buying presents, and we don't even have time to breathe, much less celebrate. And we've lost the joy about what the moment is supposed to be about. I mean, we spend time trying to meet expectations that we can never meet. We spend time having strife in relationships because of what was supposed to happen around the Christmas tree or what didn't happen around the Christmas tree. We make payments till June on things we bought that we knew we couldn't afford in the first place. You know, I just don't think that's what Christmas was intended to be. But now, I will make a confession to you today that personally I have been called a Scrooge before. At Christmas time. I know that shocks you. I know that you are really surprised at that. But the fact of the matter is, I do not like to shop. And I will admit, Starla, close your ears. I will admit that when Starla sends me to go get something, I will actually try to sabotage the event so I don't have to do it again. Just, just being honest. I don't like to shop. Now, Starla, as you know, I'm sure, that girl likes to shop. So, yeah, well, yeah, but she doesn't drop. That's the problem. She's got the Energizer, Energizer Bunny batteries going in her. She never drops. But she likes to shop so much so that every December 1st, Federal Express comes and sets up a drop-off point in my front yard just to save gas. I mean, when she's gone, the time she's gone isn't a reference to time. It's a reference to when the money runs out. She shops till it's gone. Now, when I go shopping, I know what I want. I know where it's at. I go get it, and I come home. Well, when Starla goes shopping, she knows what she wants, but she'll look in 30 stores just in case there's something she likes better. I mean, it's amazing. I've seen her. You know, some people, they'll stop people on the street corner and witness to them about Jesus. Starla will stop people in the mall and help coach them on their shopping. 
She's a professional shopper. But my point is this. If you're going to be a Scrooge, you're going to miss the celebration. And the first promise of God's unfolding Christmas dream is that it is a celebration. The angel said, I bring you good news of great joy. And the good news is that when God sent Jesus to this world, he was saying to us three things. God loves us, God is for us, and God is with us. Those are glorious promises. Friend, that is something to celebrate. God loves you. If no one else loves you, God loves you. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. That God so loved the world is why He sent Jesus, and that is the ultimate message of love. Christmas is saying, by God, I love you. John, 1 John chapter 4, 8 says, God is love. I mean, that's who He is. God created this entire universe. He created this whole planet, and He created it all just so He could have a relationship with you. The reason you're alive is because God was so full of love. You are not an accident. You're not a mistake. God needed something to love, and so He created you in order to have something that He could demonstrate His love to. Now that's worth celebrating. I mean, if God didn't love you, you would not be sitting here right now. He doesn't make mistakes. God made you so he could love you, and he loves you as much on your good days as on your bad days. He loves you when you feel it, and he loves you when you don't. He loves you when you think you deserve it, and he loves you when you don't think you deserve it because his love is not based on what you do. His love is based on who He is. And God is love. See, God's love is based on His character, not your grade card. That means you can't make God stop loving you. Did you hear me? You cannot make God stop loving you because God's love isn't based on what you do or don't do. And you were created simply because God wanted to love you. I want you to know the Bible makes it clear how much He loves you. See, it's amazing that when God chose a language to demonstrate His love, He chose a language of pain. Now, Starla's love language is shoes. You know that. My love language is not having to go shopping in the first place. You know that. But I want you to know it doesn't matter what economic strata you're in, what race you are, whether you're tall or short, God's creation, all of God's creation understands pain. But yet us trying to understand His love for us is like an ant trying to understand the Internet. We don't have the brain capacity to do it. His love is beyond human comprehension. God loves you and God loves me, and that is why we can celebrate Christmas. Now, another reason that we celebrate Christmas is that God is with me. Now, you may not feel it, but it has nothing to do with your feelings. God is with you all of the time. 
Isaiah 7, 14 says one of the names of Jesus will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And to back that up, God says in the Bible, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Now, you may be here today, and perhaps there was a time in your life when you've been abandoned. You felt alone. You felt that sting of rejection. And I'm sorry that you've had to experience that in your life. But I want you to know the comforting thing for me, and the thing that can soothe a hurting heart is the fact that God has never and will never abandon me. And friend, listen to me. If you had, if you had a hard time trusting God... Because people have abandoned you and hurt you and let you down. You can be encouraged today with the fact that God is not a man that he can lie. Now, I may not feel him, but if I don't feel him, it's the fact that I am not connected to him. Because I want you to know when I am plugged into the source, I can feel him close. Because here's the thing. God hates loneliness. That's why he created man in the first place. And he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so that means that you need people in your life. And more than that, you need God in your life. When you're connected to him, God is with you. And so you don't have to be lonely. And what that means is, the good news of Christmas is, is that Emmanuel is with you. And that means that you don't have to face today, tomorrow, or next year by yourself. And because of that, that means that there's no need to fear. You don't have to fear about today, tomorrow, or next year. You see, because when I know that God is near, then I'm not afraid. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be anxious about what's going to happen. Because God has promised that I will give you a hope and a future. If you're lonely this Christmas, experience the Christ of Christmas and let him bring comfort to your heart. God loves you. God is with you. But I also want you to know that God is for you. Friend, I want you to know something today. He's on your side. He wants you to win. He wants you to overcome. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 3, 17, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, that the world through Him might be saved. But even knowing that, so many people, they're afraid of God. I mean, they get nervous when people start talking about God. And the reason is that many times it's because of guilt. Guilt can separate us from God. And we think, well, you know, if I get close to God, He's going to scold me. He's going to take me to the woodshed. He's going to remind me of all those bad things that I've done. People get nervous when it comes to God. You know, when people find out I'm a preacher and they don't know it, all of a sudden they act different. Get nervous. I mean, like they think I'm going to tell on them to the big guy. Listen, God didn't show up just because I'm a preacher. God's been there all the time. He's been watching you all the time. Remind me of a dog I used to have. He was a lab mix. His name, was, his name was Buddy. He was a rescue dog. And I'd come home from work. I'd walk in. Everything would look great. Everything would look normal. 
But old buddy would be standing there with his tail between his legs and his ears laying back on his head. And I knew, I knew, I knew to start looking for damage. It's just like when I start getting 800, when I start getting phone calls from 800 numbers, I know it's a fraud department from the credit card company saying someone stole your credit card, they're running the tab up. And I just say, no, my wife's out shopping. It's okay. <laughs> I know to start looking for damage. Buddy would be standing there, tail between his legs, and I'd look around, and I'd find an air conditioner hose chewed up or a fence chewed through. I'd find my underwear ripped to shreds. I don't understand that one, but anyway, you know, he's a dumb dog. And he would tell on himself because of guilt. Well, folks, I want you to know we do the same thing because we really don't believe God is for us and we feel guilty. But what you have to understand, the Bible says that Jesus did not come to condemn you. Jesus came to save you. Jesus did not come to scold you. He came and he said, I come to give you life more abundantly. God says, I'm not only with you, I not only love you, but my child, I want you to know I have got your back. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Because he is not going to let any weapon formed against you prosper. And when we can get a hold of that, it will give us a whole lot more confidence to the way that we live this life. And as a sidebar to that, let me just say, it's not the role of the Christian to condemn the world either. If Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, it's not my job as a follower of Christ to condemn the world or other Christians. We need to be an active part of helping save the world by showing the love of Christ. That's the role of church and society, and that should be the role of you and me as a follower of Jesus Christ because it was the purpose of Jesus coming into the world to point people to His truth and to His way. Condemnation is of the devil. It's not from God, not from Jesus, and it shouldn't be from us. Because Jesus came to save us, not scare us. After all, that's the first words of the angel all through the Christmas story. Do not be afraid. Fear not. And by the way, I've told you this before, but if you want a really good Bible devotion, there are 365 do not be afraid statements in the Bible. One for every day of the year. And if you'll pick those out and you'll read those before you go about your day, it will help you. It will help you make it through the day without succumbing to the fear that Satan in this world wants to put on you. God said... Don't fear. Don't be afraid. You see, because God didn't intend for His followers to be consumed with anxiety and worry. It's the intention of God that we do not live in fear. Friend, God wants us to get the memo, don't be afraid. He wants us to print it off and He wants us to hang it on the refrigerator with a magnet. Don't be afraid. And it's because God says, I love you. I am with you, and I am for you. I mean, that's good news. 
It's good news of great joy, and it's for everyone. It doesn't matter what your religious background is. The good news is that Christmas is good news for all people. And Jesus is willing to accept anyone who calls upon his name. And that's why we celebrate the Christ in Christmas. That's what the Christmas celebration is all about, is celebrating Jesus. So friends, over the next few weeks, don't allow the hustle and bustle of this season rob you of the meaning of the dream that God had at Christmas time. It doesn't matter if Jesus was born on December 25th or not. It's the time that we celebrate the birth of Christ. And so we celebrate the real reason and the real purpose, the good news that God loves you and God is with you and God is for you. But I want you also to know that Christmas means that it's a celebration of God's promises fulfilled. Those of you who are familiar with the Christmas story, you remember the old man Simeon. Simeon is a part of the Christmas story that, uh, that has to do with never giving up on your promise. The promise that God has given you. We've seen this Christmas is the story of dreams. And it's also the story of promises kept. And Simeon's story begins in Luke chapter 2. And after all the visions, dreams, and revelations of the Christmas story, we find Mary and Joseph bringing the baby Jesus into the temple. And when they got there, they were greeted by Simeon. And the Word of God says in verse 25, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, according to your promise. Now, most scholars feel that Simeon was up in years at the time he saw the baby Jesus. But some, sometime before that, somewhere along the way, the Holy Spirit had told him, said, Simeon, you're going to hold the salvation of Israel in your hands, and you're going to see the Messiah face to face. Now, the Bible doesn't say how old he was or when that happened. But, but say Simeon was about 75 years old when that conversation happened. And so being later in his life, Simeon probably thought that it was going to happen soon. But then when Simeon turned 80 or 85 years old, you wonder if doubt ever started to creep in. You wonder if he thought, you know, maybe I don't have a promise from God. Maybe this dream isn't real. Listen to me, the delay between your promise and your miracle can become very fertile ground for the devil to plant seeds of doubt and erode the reality of God's Word that He's placed in your heart. But not Simeon. Simeon kept hanging on. He kept going to the temple. He kept being faithful to God. And then one day, he got up just like any other day, going about his business, and a young couple brings in an eight-day-old baby. And they lay him in the arms of this old man who has lived for years with a dream in his heart. 
a promise from God. Here in the Christmas story is an old man who says in verse 29, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon said, I'm ready to go, Lord, because you have kept your word. So while Christmas is a celebration of God's love for us, God's presence with us, and and the fact that God is for us, Simeon's story reminds us that it's also a celebration of the fact that God keeps his promise. He is a covenant keeper. Now, I admitted to you earlier that there are times when I'm like Scrooge. And I'm not like Scrooge all the time, but I will admit that, that there are times in my life when I get so blinded by what's going on around me that I can forget the promises of God on the inside of me. And whether it's the promise to celebrate the love of God at Christmas or whether it's the promise to celebrate the promise of God in my heart, I want to be like Simeon. I want to be faithful. I want to be tending to the duties of his word, the duties of prayer, and the duties of my Christian walk. And then just one day, a day like any other day, I'm going to be going about my business, and I'm going to realize that this was a day of destiny as I experience a story of God's faithfulness that changes my life. And then like Simeon, I'm going to be able to say, Sovereign Lord, you have kept your promise. Church, during these next few weeks leading up to Christmas, celebrate the fact. Meditate on the fact that God is for you. Realize that you don't have to be alone during this time of year and celebrate the fact that God created this universe with with the flash of His hand, that He hung the stars in the sky like ornaments on a Christmas tree. He put the earth on his axis and spun it like a top. He's that big. He's that powerful. And yet, he created you just because he needed and wanted someone that he could love. He loves you, he's with you, and he's for you. And don't ever forget, God is a covenant keeper. And what he has promised you, he will bring to pass. Because he is a God who keeps his word. In closing, perhaps you're here today and you become discouraged, facing difficult times. Maybe you've even given up on your dreams. But the darkness of the clouds blinds you to the fact that above the clouds, the sun is shining. You know, when someone takes off from the Oklahoma City Airport and it's cloudy and it's raining somewhere at 10 or 20,000 feet, they'll break through the line of clouds and the sun will be as bright as it's ever been. But you see, I can't see that when I'm stuck in the gloom. And this holiday season, God wants you to break through the gloom. Even though there's a layer of clouds in your life, and you can't see the sun yet, and you can't see the promise yet, there is coming a day when the sun, S-O-N, will dissipate the clouds, and you're going to see God's promise come to pass in your life. And friend, I want you to know God can part those clouds right now, and He can give you hope in this Christmas season.
the season to celebrate his love for you, to celebrate his presence with you, and to celebrate his power that is for you, and to celebrate his promises that he's made to you. Friend, I want you to know God will not abandon you. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, as we begin this final countdown to Christmas Day, we celebrate the birth of your son Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would help us all put the celebration of Christ back in Christmas. Father, help us to get above the clouds today and to see your son. Lord, I pray today that you would save the lost, you would heal the hurting, and you would let them feel your joy in their hearts. Lord, let us all realize that Christmas is the season of celebrating your promise that have been given and that you will keep. Lord, I pray that you would give someone their own story today, a story of hope, a story of your grace, a story of your provision. Lord, I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? All over. Elders, would you come? Take your place around the front. More than likely, there's someone here today that needs to begin a spiritual journey. You need to start your walk with God. And there may be others here today that you need to resume your spiritual journey. There are some of you here that you need to know. You need to have that assurance that God loves you. And that God's with you. And that God is for you. And anything you face, He's going to be there. And I pray that you will sense the Holy Spirit drawing you today.